Hello, everyone. This is Dark Journalist. Tonight, I have a special interview for you with author and researcher John W. Warner IV. John is the son of the late Virginia Senator John Warner, who played an inside role with the UFO file, and Catherine Mellon, heiress to the Mellon banking fortune. Previously, John exposed deep state connection in his family's background, and his cousin, government official Chris Mellon, as participating in a false UFO disclosure narrative that hides the real details. Tonight, John will explore the intel connections to UFO whistleblower David Grush and the forces behind Behind the alien invasion charade. Please join us now. John, it's great to have you back. Thank you for having me. Seems like uh, in some ways you've been in the news recently, <laughs> or your family has, in a sense, uh, coming off the spin of this uh, interview with Joe Rogan. Of David Grush, the former intelligence guy who now calls himself a UFO whistleblower. That's up for debate for sure. And we'll get into who's putting him out there. It's interesting because um, it was a very unusual interview for a lot of reasons. <laughs> And But one of the things that comes across, we're talking about that public disconnect, and Rogan let this guy kind of go off, didn't really challenge him on anything. He was coming up with everything that he's been promoted into position to do uh, in terms of Grush having people like Lou Elizondo and your cousin, Chris Mellon, you know, sort of grooming this guy for a couple of years before he comes out. And says all this, and then he comes before these congressional committees, and he's like, well, I really can't say anything until you get me in a skiff. And then they're like, oh, you don't have the security to get in the skiff. And so it's like that little maze again. But yeah. the Rogan show missed all that. One of the key things in there, though, and uh, you know, I think this is absolutely a weird moment in the interview, is when he starts talking about your grandfather, Paul Mellon. And uh, he takes points that are directly lifted from previous interviews that we've done about it yeah what were it, you thinking uh, when you heard that it strongly suggests that chris Mellon and his team they, they watch your show yeah um and um you know paul Mellon is a pretty obscure guy in the scheme of the issue it's just you and me talking about it um Big to pull out of a hat not a dupont not a rockefeller which is the go-to robber baron choice for any of this stuff uh, Nelson Rockefeller, the DuPonts, the Pierre DuPont, you know, he didn't pick any of those. Right. He picked little lowly Paul Mellon. And so I see that as, you know, a low caliber shot across my bow. And um, there's no question. I think it's a nod to you. And it's it's also something where, you know, the people on Twitter, what do you think this means? And one a bunch of people wrote, well, now, of course, it means all these melons are in cahoots with one another. And so I think that's what they're trying to say is, you know, yeah. um, oh, don't trust John Warner and his big mouth. Um, he's part of the op. And who can blame people for thinking that? Uh, well, they're you know, worried about, let's face it. Someone, why should they? Right. Well, someone coming from your family and coming out and talking about the UFO issue and exposing the whole UFO threat aspect that they've been pushing and that your cousin pushed as part of the government for you to come out and say that, like they, they have taken a while to figure out how to strategize to deal with this guy. <laughs> you. Well, they didn't, um, 
they didn't foresee me. Maybe they did with Project Looking Glass. Hell, I don't know. <laughs> you know, could be. Yeah, definitely. The kids have this technology that's way beyond their wisdom, and it's like, okay, maybe they knew I was going to come out. Maybe they didn't. But it, it sure seems like Chris Mellon was going to come out, and people were going to say, "Well, who the hell's Chris Mellon?" And, oh, he's from that banking family. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't. They probably most likely didn't know that I was going to come up here and. Oh, guess what I've been working on for all my life? You know, <laughs> this and Paul Mellon and, and Patton and you know. Hey, my dad is part of uh, MJ12, right? That's so now they gotta that now they gotta uh, uh, normalize it, and and probably by him just sort of flippantly, oh, you know, a bunch of rich guys they funded the CIA and the NSA. He did forgot to mention that they they were funding NSA too amongst yeah. other shadowy groups away from Congress funding at first. Uh, you got to kind of twist Congress in so many ways, and then you get them on board. <laughs> but it's interesting. He didn't mention Dulles or any or SNC or no, any of that. He went right for right. Paul Mellon. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, and also Paul Mellon is not, you've pointed this out, is not Chris Mellon's grandfather. He's your grandfather. Chris Mellon's grandfather is William Larimer Mellon. Okay. He's a businessman and a philanthropist. He, he was not in the military, as far as I know, and he definitely wasn't in intelligence, as far as I know. So, yeah, gauntlet thrown, fine. I'm fine with it. Go ahead. You know, I, I don't know what I'd say to Grush. I'm not against Grush. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm against the people he's with, to some degree. I think they're they're clowns, and, and they're dangerous clowns. Um. I'm angry There's a lot of manipulation around. Yeah, the whole thing. they're lying about certain stuff. I don't like that. Um, it's not. I have nothing personal against Grouch or anything, um, but boy, he sure made it personal now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I'd say to him, you know, he'd never tell me the truth as to why he did that. Probably Chris told him to do it. Um, they want to control all this narrative, and that means, you know, trying to you know stick a needle in our tires and deflate you and me for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which there it's you know there's going to be some of that. You know, I don't have a big following on Twitter. People are, are are understandably suspicious of me, and you know they say every day I get people, you're full of shit, you're part of it, and it's obvious, blah blah blah. You know, so you know that's what they're doing. Oh, there's um, always going to be some element. <laughs> there, that's the nature of the environment. But the thing is, the truth is that you bravely came out and talked about these things within your family. And you came out uh, a couple of years ago now. You, we did our interview in 2021, our first one, where you really went on the record with most of this. And what I see, and I find it very interesting, is the one thing you pointed out about Grush is that he's from Pittsburgh. And that there is, in fact, a kind of a, almost like a melon group that meets and goes over things. And you you really see signs now that he's been groomed in that whole process. We know he was groomed by Chris Mellon in any case and, and by Lou Elizondo and Corbell and that whole thing. Yeah, um, I mean, it may have pricked their ears that you and I were talking about the possibility that, you know, Bruce being from Pittsburgh, yeah, that, he, you know, Chris Mellon took him under his wing and groomed him. And oh, by the way, I wonder if they belong to the Shik Shinny Knights which is a secret society that spun off of the Knights of Malta. That's the one. Now, this is what my occult friends, John and John Luke, we've been talking about for more than two years now. And it's like, 
all these people you're watching, uh, from Gary Nolan to uh, Travis Taylor to everybody like that, they might be or they were twisted, arm twisted to join some sort of secret society in all this. Mm-hmm. Because someone said, uh, posted something on, on Twitter that said, my gosh, Jack Parsons, Crowley, all these people are Freemasons and they into the cult. Why? And of course, I gave my answer about Babylon workings and yeah, Jin and Archons and all that stuff. It gets weird. It gets really weird, but they were messing around with it. And I believe the story that Parsons and Crowley did a Babylon workings at Area 51 in 47, 48. Um, it would make sense. Maybe they had to deal with the astral world or something interdimensionally uh, in order to secure a lease for the land and what's under the land. Right. Since a lot of this stuff is done psychically and, and rituals, from my knowledge, go back to ancient Sumeria, and they were very important. We still do a lot of rituals today. The military is full of rituals. You know, as Farrell says, the Germans march down with torches and the bell tree, the Schellenbaum, you know, and they have eagles just like fascist Rome. Mm-hmm. Uh, rituals define our, our world. Marriage is a ritual. Funerals are a ritual. You know, um, going to church is a ritual. You know, whatever. Corporate Absolutely. rules and, and, and they're these like rituals. And so it's it's all in our society. Everyone's like, oh, crazy occult crap. You know, and it's like, um, no, unfortunately, it's interwoven in all this. There's no denying it. Um, I'm shocked that CBS did Strange Angel about Jack Parsons. Of course, when it started getting good, they canceled it. <laughs> they did, right. And everyone's like, what happened? <laughs> go and figure that out and read some yeah. books or go to the Internet. And so it's very interesting, all these things that have been happening in the last 10 years. Um, more even, but it, it, last 10 years just seems like everything's boiling to the surface. No question. Bad and everything in between. Well, you um, you pointed out, and this, this is something that goes back beyond the remote viewing program, but we know there's this psychic thread throughout the whole UFO aspect and the research aspect. I remember Russell Targ telling me that uh, Werner von Braun, the you know head of NASA, was telling him, I want you to develop an ESP machine for me so I can test the astronauts' ESP. Yeah, they tested so, them all. We're already getting into that side of it. You talked about a program with FDR training psychics back in World War II. Yeah, I, I can't prove it, uh, but I've read it from, from several very interesting sources, and that's all it's worth, you know. Uh, but it said that uh, FDR had knew this the russians had a psychic army is what they called it probably a thousand people maybe more ten thousand uh given the russians penchant for large projects um and fdr contracted g2 and whatever the forerunner of the oss was and probably naval intelligence and said holy shit you know we got to cobble together our own psychic teams uh, to combat the germans and japanese probably and the word is they rented a warehouse out in Arlington, not too far from where they trained the OSS people out in Virginia towards Mount Vernon. Uh, there was a camp there. And so the word is they were they based it on twins because twins have a natural psychic connection. That's basically been proven. Um, and uh, 
the word is they have larger pineal glands than most. Much Interesting. Now that comes from Mengele. Joseph Mengele was doing experiments in the death camps on twins. Right. For a host of reasons. But one of the main reasons that, that I, and I believe it, is he was looking at them for the psychic evaluation and you know digging into those pineal glands and showing the, the SS High Command, here's what we need to do, get our own sets of twins, and put them in the Tula Society and whatever, real society, alongside Maria Orsic and the whole gang, Sigrun and, and the others, and you know, I'm sure Haushofer and <laughs> Baron von Schwettendorf are in there too. Um, <laughs> and everyone had a psychic division. Uh, you know, this whole, yeah, the Italians did, um, you know, everyone did. It, this is nothing new. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go back into history, the oracles of ancient Rome, ancient Greece, uh, the Persians using their own oracles, and, and, and a lot of females, probably some twins, uh, to contact higher sources for valuable military intelligence. It's nothing new. Right. I think every single war ever fought on the face of the earth has had a huge psychic component. Yeah. Uh, dealing, you know, they, a lot of people think ET's in the mix of every war, it's proxy wars. I kind of lean towards that um, because they, they can't fight themselves, but they can do it with us as proxies, like pawns. Mm -hmm. And on a chessboard, it's a three-dimensional chessboard. Would you say, I mean, you could almost visualize it as the yeah. modern temple is this warehouses of these psychics <laughs> uh, when, whenever we get into these well, wars. They built it out into offices and labs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's a major component there. And in the meantime, traditionally, things of psychic nature get ridiculed and they keep people out of it. Still. And we've got CIA people saying, well, hello, remote viewing, MK Ultra." Right. It's like, ah, we're, we're still led to, everyone is psychic. Every single person on the face of the earth. It's yeah. just agree. It's genetic. It's other things, you know, it, uh, the twin thing. Yeah. And it shouldn't be a big deal uh, by now. My God, in the 70s, it was the biggest thing. People forget. Right. Uh, how big this whole psychic thing, uh, UFO subject, everything was really big in the 70s. We were really making a lot of scientific progress, and now we've got 600 million shit shows competing uh -huh. with eyeballs and, and attention spans. Right. And it's like, yes, there's more information, but there's more mud in the river. You know, it's right. disheartening. I mean, I remember watching all those shows and, and reading books in the 70s when I was a teenager. It's and amazing. It's oh, amazing how they kind of got that out of culture. <laughs> they did, the 80s. You know, uh -huh. In the 1970s, race relations were really improving. Yes. Around the country. They really were, especially here in D.C. Yeah. And then by the 80s, what do we have, folks? Yuppies, BMWs, money, uh, the economy turned around, quick step. Right. Cocaine, uh, cheap parallel. Government cheese. Uh, gangland <laughs> warfare, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, really good music, which I liked. <laughs> you know, but MTV. Yeah. People forget the significance of MTV. I'd never seen it before. In 81, I went to college and down in Charlottesville at UVA, they had cable. DC did wow. not have cable at the time. That was a big deal. It took them years to do it. And I was like, what's MTV? I'd never heard of it. 
and the whole fraternity house, you know, the, the party stopped and everyone was watching MTV until, you know, me or someone else unplugged it from the wall. I, once threw, <laughs> I threw the TV through the window once that, that went over like a Led Zeppelin on fire. But I knew then, I mean, we were having this great get together with a sorority or friends or, you know, people, our house was very social and people coming and going. Everything stopped when they turned MTV on. Interesting. And that reminds me of today with Netflix, and Elon Musk's companies and corporations and, uh, oh, what's happening with the, you know, there's a million things. They've really upped the distraction angle. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, technology brings more, you know, computer games. I mean, they were around in the 80s, but they were childish. Sure. Now, you know, you can join the secret space program with VR goggles on, take some drugs <laughs> and be immersed. Right. Yeah, you're damn right. I want to do a hundred and back. Hell with that. That's for sisties. A thousand years in space. Fight for the Marines. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow, can I play? <laughs> you, know, you know, my grandson and everything it does this. And, you know, it's, I'm like, what a powerful tool to indoctrinate people to ideas and concepts. No Make question. When you think about where we are, and it's a good thing you mentioned the eighties actually, because Reagan not. had SDI and star Wars and, you know, behind He's the scenes, back. we know he was talking to Gorbachev about teaming up against the aliens <laughs> and all this kind of thing. Um, when you see where we are now in culture, do you think that, would you say that we've had a large secret uh, kind of development in space? So we have an infrastructure out there but this public that's walking around doesn't have any actual awareness of it. So there's a weird kind of schizophrenia in the culture where you have a small group operating in space, ostensibly controlling the globe. Yeah, I think so. It looks that way, points that way, all the indicators, but that takes lots of work. Yeah. Uh, a lot of deep thinking and less distractions. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife kicks me out of the house slams my laptop down, says, go work in the garage, fix that damn Cadillac, and get your head out of this. Uh, right, that's where I do my best thinking. I'm walking with music or, you know, or I'm working in my garage, and that's where things start to gel. And um, But a lot of people don't do that anymore. It's, it's constant. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm on my laptop. I'm, I'm doing 10 different things. I'm a terrible multitasker. I, I do too much. But it's like the patience to read a book. Wow. I mean, I barely made it through Isaacson in a week. Oh, it's uh, really good. Oppenheimer. I read in a couple of days. That was really interesting for me. Mm -hmm. but less, and less you write books. <laughs> yeah. Less and less than people read. They don't want people to read anymore. They want a lot of people want libraries to be burned to the ground. Like the library, of the Apollo and library of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. Get rid of books. It would make things very easy for them because if you have just a digital right. library, you alter it and that's the end of the whole deal. Yeah, I asked, I asked some, I'm right near Georgetown University and George Washington University. And sometimes I, I walk up to young people and I said, can I ask you a question? I'm, I'm a historian and a writer. And, you know, do you enjoy reading books and about history and all these other things? Or, you know, and they're like, no, no. <laughs> rather get our information you know i i can watch a video in one hour instead of reading a book for three or four days <laughs> and i'm like okay well 
I'm lazy too sometimes, but wow. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, we didn't yeah. have that in college. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we didn't have that. You had to read a book. You had to read books, plural. Mm -hmm. And now they're, no, 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 never mind that, kids, all online. And they're talking about, you know, schools having proprietary laptops. I mean, from grade kindergarten up. Mm -hmm. It's Pearson or, or some other big education conglomerate that says, oh, don't worry, we'll update information, you know, weekly. So you'll have the most up-to-date information on history. And, you know, and you know that's just a giant pick, pair of scissors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to learn less and less about the arts, the Sistine Chapel, and uh, God forbid, the mm -hmm. Lords of the Black Stone or the Teutonic yeah. Knights. Oh, no, that's yeah. – forget it. No, it's only approved. <laughs> I mean, it's gone beyond George Orwell. I mean, we went beyond Orwell, I don't know, 20 years ago. We're way yeah. beyond 1984, the book. Um, we're, we're in a world now where AI is in its infancy in the public sector. Right. But you know the military has had it for 30, 40 years, and it is mature. Mm -hmm. And I believe right, They've that, already been working on it. Yeah. Well, they got it from somebody. Oh, to run, you, you want to, here's the key to our spaceship. You know, we get whatever we want, tons of that. And uh, they're like, well, wait a minute. Even our psychic uh, navigator pilots can't fly it. They're like, oh, you need Max, the AI. <laughs> you know, how? <laughs> then they get in the ship and they're like, ah, how do you, where do you want to go? What are your prerogatives? <laughs> you know, it, oh, wow. it's like, wow, we better start developing our own deal. Mm -hmm. I'm not discrediting our engineers and computer engineers. They're, they're good too, but it's like, they probably got some blueprints from somebody out there. Mm -hmm. We're advancing. <laughs> Forget about the 20th century. Just since 2000, wow, we've been advancing fast. Yeah. Uh, it, your head spin. And now Elon Musk wants an AI, auto, you know, automatic driving, autonomous vehicle that you can get in and drive around that will play what music it wants. Maybe it'll, you know, or, oh, Daniel, uh, this is Max speaking. Uh Here's some news for you that you should consider. Uh, Stephen Greer was arrested today for being a dissident and uh, thrown in jail. <laughs> oh, I always knew he was a dissident. You know, and, and, and so people don't add all this stuff up. You know, yes, uh, the turn of the century, the automobile, the airplane, you know, the, the, the fast trains, everything. Life was changing really fast in the 1890s, uh -huh. 1900s. Well, we're dealing with technologies now that can manipulate the human race in a way that those technologies had really didn't. Right. They, you know, Elon Musk is all about new, 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 push, push, push the technology envelope. Well, that's good, but not a lot of wisdom. He hires mostly young people. He fires people with alacrity. And right. uh, he's, you know, he's talking about AI. He's putting AI in the same category as like, you know, uh, you know, a CVT transmission for his electric cars or something like that. It's like, right. oh, we'll plug it in. And then and then the infrared cameras and the sound sensors and, and the LIDAR sensors in the front of the car, they'll all work seamlessly with central command mm -hmm. at Tesla. Right. And it's a cloudy day and you're, you know, you're in Nevada somewhere. Where the hell's Area 51? You know, and no GPS or limited. Wow. Yeah. Tesla. 
stops and oh, I'm sorry, you're getting too close to Area 51. Turn around, go back to Vegas mm -hmm. and spend money because a lot of that money in Vegas, all entertainment, some of it's being funneled off to no you know the deep state, all these programs. Now, Elon Musk, he's comes out with a big article and says, oh, I hate government subsidies. But his companies and their directors, they love it. Oh, yeah. They get so tons of it. They hate it. Americans, that is your tax dollars. Mm -hmm. Billions being wasted. One day he's worth $350 million, and the next day he's $14 billion in debt. Right. He makes Howard Hughes look like you know, a Girl Scout selling cookies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's wasting your money, all of our money. I think it's absolutely true. And I have a series of Elon Musk questions coming up for you. Before we get into those, I'm going to ask you to share some interesting insights that you've dug up recently in regard to World War One. This is very fascinating. In World War One, in 1918, when the war ended, and um, the years following, British and German doctors who were dealing with the lion's share of shell shock, which is P severe PTSD, um, the guys were shaking and you know staring, thousand yard stare, and they couldn't get to them. Uh, they found out that uh, a lot of them had all of a sudden multiple personality disorder. And they ah. somebody, but it was somebody else. And they had two or three, four of these uh, multiple personalities. Two, it's the brain's way of dealing with trauma, severe trauma. And this gets into MK Ultra techniques. You know, we're using drugs and trauma-based uh, mind fracturing. Uh, but they knew it back then. And uh, I've researched some other things throughout history. There's some evidence to suggest that uh, this kind of uh, suggestive brainwashing was going on in ancient times as well. Mm -hmm. uh, whether the guys came back from the Peloponnesian War and, you know, and they found this out, I'm not sure, but... Uh, it's it's not it's I think it's older than World War One, but people tend to think it's this post World War Two phenomenon now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I I'm a whistleblower. I've been out in space fighting, you know, but I'll tell you right now, I've got multiple personality disorder, you know, from some of the training to do mm -hmm. all that crazy stuff. So I, I thought that was interesting. I'd never heard the World War One story before, and I uh, very interesting. Uh, okay. Well, there's a next stage you could say, of UFO research, which needs to go back before Roswell and Kenneth Arnold and all that. No, it's all and, through Yeah, exactly. You know. I think uh, you know, NIMSA is also a piece of that, and I feel like you're just going to keep going further back if you want to get to the truth yeah. of it. The Cosmos so, Club is sitting right in the middle of it. Yeah. yeah. You're friends at the Cosmos here. Club. I'm not going. Um... I went once. That was enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll go to a dinner if somebody invites yeah. me. I'm not going to join. Uh, it seemed really boring. Mm -hmm. but, you know, the his historical uh, links with UFOs and everything, that's well. Other researchers have documented that out the yin-yang um, in religious texts and, and, and paintings and sky's a limit, Atlantis. Everyone was coming and going. Uh, more traffic than there is today. If you you know, if you take optical invisibility out of the picture, you know the sky. You know, I think one Air Force guy said, uh, "My God, the skies would darken with craft." Wow, that piece. And I've actually seen one over my farm with my stepkids 
and everything, glowing ball, you know, high altitude, no registration. The military strobes beat fast, civilians, you know, a pilot. And so I was like, well, and, and that thing was just steady and glowing. You could see it with the naked eye because most of the time you need the Gen 3 or 4 military night vision. Mm-hmm. And I had my friends John and John Luke, uh, who were very good in secret societies and occult. Those guys are experts. And we, we used those, and we saw dozens. Amazing. Things flying around. So, And you can't see them with the naked eye. You can see any aircraft or satellite with a naked eye. Why is this thing picking up? And they glow severe brightness. You know, incredible. So, you know, it's very, yeah, it's interesting to me, the classification of craft as well. Like, you know, the cigar shaped deal, the saucer deal, the disc, the boomerang. Yeah. Well, uh, some I mean, someone had pretty good on the internet, you know, on Twitter and everything like that. That was pretty good of a big cigar ship. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's, this gets into the issue and I got lambasted for it on Twitter. Uh, boy, they came after me with a noose and pitchforks. And it, they had a very nice quality video of what they said was this flight 370. I oh, yeah. How they know that. And there were three UFOs doing circles around it, which to me, if it, let's just say for giggles, it's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing circles and then a flash of light and this thing, every, everybody disappears into a portal. And so these UFOs could be making a torsion field mm-hmm. that is the right frequency to open that particular portal. However, I said, um, you know, in our day and age, I'm sorry, there's enough uh, incredible v- uh, VFX software. I worked in film and television in the 90s. Uh, right. Maybe not back then, but they could certainly do it today. And uh, it's sad. It, it, photos and video, you know, to a degree, documents, you know, you can verify them to some degree, mm-hmm. but not 100%. Yeah. You know, it, it's like, I'm sorry. And they, they went apeshit. <laughs> well, so. the amazing thing is, you know, there is that gullibility factor and you see it with the whole Corbell nonsense, the stuff that they rolled out, yeah. easily debunkable beach balls attacking the U.S. Navy and things of that nature. The truth is there are real video. There are real photos, of course. Yeah. And that's the stuff that they don't let out. So on a civilian basis, we get those and uh, I think we had a kind of a, a better run of that material, say, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, before you could manipulate photos very much. Yeah, I like the photos of the U.S. Navy supposedly leaked out from the periscope of a submarine. And if you look at it closely, um, the, uh, the, the sunlight diamonds and other things reflecting and everything, that's a very, very good fake if it is a fake. I tend to think mm-hmm. it's real. I think, you know, half the photos and video probably real. It's just yeah. we need to discern which, which what's what. You- oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's so much testimony around the craft. When we look at a situation like that, you come into a situation technologically where, you know, you could almost debunk anything at this point because it could yeah, be made with VFX. Yeah, However, well, that's, and that's how they can stage the whole UFO threat invasion. Oh, <laughs> These AI-generated photographs of Maui on fire—I mean, they're yeah. beautiful. Uh, we're, we're, oh boy, this dovetails into everything. But this AI uh, situation we're entering now—it's—it's going to start to change everything. And boy, does it make our job harder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. AI did it. 
that's not you and you know, that's AI, you know, <laughs> and holy shit is it, it could be, you know, and it, and we're entering a brave new world. It's going to be much harder to deal with this now. Uh, no question. No question. Other things going on to distract us from. And that's probably why you get these government agencies wanting to talk about the subject because they have their own version of manipulating it and yep. manipulating the backstory around it. And it's very tricky because we've watched and commented on over the past couple of years since you came out and really started talking about this and written some really interesting fiction dealing with this subject matter. Uh, your latest is called Sanity Was a Luxury. What's this one about? Yep. It's a sequel to the other two. Fantastic. And it's on the Gustav gun. Hans Kammler and the Gustav gun. What could be better? <laughs> it was really interesting writing in Hans's voice. And I pulled out all the engineering I could. Uh, Tino Struckman does a great job on his channel on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those underground tunnels. He shows you how vast that empire was in Poland, Hungary, Austria, Germany. Did I miss something? I don't know. Czechoslovakia. And, and just incredible amounts of building of material buildings, underground warehouses, factories, incredible. And, um, you know, so I, it was fun writing in Hans's voice. And I got into the Lords of the Blackstone and excellent that SS ritual stuff. Yeah. Always, always on the tip of everyone's tongue. <laughs> well, people should know that like, you know, Vannevar Bush and John Trump are in your books as characters. Yeah, Trump's in there. Vannevar Bush, Oppenheimer. I think they were all at several meetings at, at somewhere, probably Douglas Aircraft, maybe near the naval base, San Diego mm -hmm. naval base, where Admiral Rico Boda was. So oh, wow. I took a page of William Thompson's book, and I tried to make it as realistic as I could. What was discussed in that meeting? It's probably a little early. I have it at 1943. It's probably 44. But man, the, the Foo Fighters were in the Japanese theater, too. I want people to remember that. Mm -hmm. uh, over Germany and stuff. No, no. They were flying loops like that video around B-29s. They would wow. follow them for hours. And of course, all the guys are out there shooting with 50 calibers, you know, and, and you know, it's intelligent balls of plasma. This is where, you know, Pharaoh's talking about sentient plasma. And I think that's real. And that's what these things are. They're drones, but, you know, and that's what the original, most of the original Foo Fighters, some were big <laughs> saucers and things. They were crazy. Oh, yeah out of the Coral Sea and stuff. But everyone thinks European theater. No, they were in, they were in the Asian theater too. And they Who did do you not think fight. was operating the Foo Fighters? They're just as good as mine. <laughs> I, I, think I know he, you've looked at it for a while. See, they knew we were on the way to dropping a bomb. You know, they have time travel technology. It's part of their space travel. Mm -hmm. Easy, easy to say, oh, well, here's some probabilities of the future. Oh shit. They're going to drop nuclear weapons. We've got problems. You know, the kids are playing with dynamite and gasoline. And they're going to set everything on fire. Uh -huh. And the new Oppenheimer book and movie are very good to watch. It shows you the, the conflicts he had with all this because he quotes the Vedic texts. I have them in my meeting because Robert Oppenheimer knew he was privy to some of the UFO file back then. I'm sure. No question. Yeah, no that's the, they left that out of the movie. Of our Bush, everybody, oh, they had all the great minds on this. I would have done the same thing if I was FDR or Truman. And I have a section, you know, Truman's pissed off. Uh, that's in the new book I'm writing now, but Truman. But it, it makes oh, fantastic. sense. And Oppenheimer's a very, you know, sort of a gentleman, a liberal, 
you know, and he's like, look, you can't just shoot these things down. They're far advanced. That's first, that's dangerous. And then I have an Air Force general, a fictional one, but it's basically LeMay. He's saying, you know, go to hell, you know, you pig-eyed sack of shit, <laughs> you liberal. <laughs> you know, and that's probably what happened because yeah. uh, they were dealing with it. I know MacArthur knew about it. MacArthur mentioned it in a speech later on in his life. He said the next war is going to be interplanetary. Uh, he knew about it. There were reports unconfirmed. We don't have evidence, but there are people have written about it that uh, when we were island hopping, the Marines and the Army soldiers were dealing with some strange people in the jungle shooting at mm. them, just like Vietnam. You know, it's it, it's it's very – everyone tries to think it's just the Foo Fighters. No, it was all kinds of strange things going on in the war. Mm-hmm. Battle of Los Angeles, yeah, Japanese blimp. Yeah, that's going to withstand 500,000 rounds of 40 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. It's a gas bag. Um, you know, that's nonsense, what they're trying to tell you. Amazing. And, uh, oh, the one thing I wanted to mention, um, we knew this was coming, 60th anniversary of JFK. Mm-hmm. Every conspiracy theory in the world is now public. <laughs> you know, Sam Giancana's daughter and her cousin, they did it. They shot oh, him. Oh, my God. Yeah. The dog did it. It was Jack Ruby's dog. <laughs> Muddying the waters. Muddying it's the interesting, waters. too, because Giancana and Kennedy go back to Joe Kennedy and all the rest. So they're, you know, the Pretty last thing in the world they're going to do is assassinate him. Ships. <laughs> you know Frank Sinatra's next. We. <laughs> oh, Joe Kennedy. Yeah. When you look at that, though, it is interesting because if you take World War II – and then you flash forward to the Kennedy period, it seems like the UFO thing has gained such a secrecy strength that the ability to penetrate it becomes basically impossible in the Kennedy era. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It, it, it must have been uh, horrendous. There were only a few. Jack was read in, obviously, just like the show you just did recently. I mean, he was O&I with uh, Forstall in Berlin. You know, he probably was probably Forstall took him to see the stuff in Pilsen. Maybe the right. same hangar yeah. that my father and Alan Dulles and Pat were in. Uh, that had a, a lot of toys. Um, probably he knew a lot of that. And that's the problem was, you know, as he was getting higher up as a senator and then eventually as president, you know, Alan Dulles and these people seemed like they were very ignorant of JFK's knowledge base. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, no, no, he was with Forrestal. You know, and, and, you know alarm bells. Right. Yes. Um, And I think JFK was probably going to share it maybe only with the Russians. Mm -hmm. Or he was going to have Marilyn Monroe do a press conference. But that's kind of dumb. No offense to Marilyn or Jack, but it's like she's a movie star, not known for scientific evaluation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry, she looks good in a Cadillac convertible, but. (laughs) I think it would have been good, but it, it would have put her on the tabloids with Jackie Gleason sees aliens at, you know, Hill Air, Hill Air Force Base or something. Right. Like, where is it? Florida. Yes. Homestead. Yeah. Homestead. Amazing. It's up now. But, you know, it, it's like, that's not the person I would entrust. I would have Bobby do it. I think Bobby saw the writing on the wall and said, I'm not going to do it until I'm president. Mm-hmm. Then I'll do it. But, you know, they both seem to be young and naive to a degree. 
you know, are you are you kidding me? You're going to get going to willy nilly share this with the Russians because you're president of the United States. No. Did I not tell you about, you know, his potential invasion of Area 51 with the first mm -hmm. army? And he decided against it because he had two right. strokes, you know, and oh, by the way, don't mess with these people. Um, it seems very naive, arrogant, and hot headed. I admire the shit out of him, but not those three traits. And at 42, you know, if I was some hot-headed guy getting it, I probably would have made those mistakes as well. But probably not because, uh, the, you know, the dark black hats of the world back then, I mean, they thought they could, you know, it's like Elon Musk, you know, all these young people, millions of people behind him. You know, we can change the world you know, with new tech. Uh -huh. No question. We're going to get to Musk as well yeah. going forward. Uh, gets... what you wish for you. You step on some USAP toes, or you know, you know. Oh, my my Tesla cars are now anti gravity and driverless. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna start stepping on people's toes. Yeah, Musk, Musk is going to die of a heart attack. Although he's drilling himself into into an early grave as we speak. Every hour, he's the most stressed yeah. out person on the face of the earth. No question. And with Musk, again, it's which one are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about the Neuralink guy or the Freedom Fighter? And he's doing Starlink. And, uh, you know, by gosh, I'm not an anti-Semite, even though I'm African or German. Just throwing it out there. Um, I don't know. He just hired a couple of German scientists, too. So just throwing it out there. I'm not accusing him. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't They're going to get your Twitter account again. Yeah, I don't think they hired an Afrikaner young genius, you know, willy-nilly. I think they yeah. chose very, very carefully. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Um, there's an excellent point that you've made before, which is since it's privatized at this level now, we used to have, you know, NASA was going to be the buildup out there. Instead, you got the secret space program. Yeah. yeah. So when you go out there now, anything that you find, you don't have to report at all. If you're a corporation, it just becomes part of your corporate ledger information. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, we know the government would lie about it anyway, but the thing is there's no compulsion there. So literally space just becomes this zone, which in terms of getting the truth, there's no reliable sources. No. Once it goes corporate, you're done. I mean, don't get me started with, you know, fascism and corporations. They go hand in hand. Um, I mean, America is just partially fascist. It just is. Mm-hmm. I love these politicians. They got up there, all of them. They say, oh, we got to save democracy. Well, we don't have a democracy. It's a corrupt, to what degree you want to say it's corrupt, but it's corrupt constitutional republic. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, my dad says that's too hard to say. So, so they get up there and say, I'm going to save democracy for, for, <laughs> peace, for peace. You know, <laughs> exactly. scalar, you know, weapons for peace. You know, LRAD, you know, it, it's just, God, it's hard to watch Tim Burchett. He flip-flops all the time. I mean, it's just painful. Well, let's talk about this for a minute with his press conference where he was like, I'd like to put the war pigs out of business. Yeah. Know? And he's there with Bullshit. Anna Polina Luna all the time. Like, they are the UFO pair there in the Senate, in the Congress. I'm not really sure what makes them, you know, kind of – the, the go-to people for this, but just looking at the way they've approached you it. really want to know, Daniel? I mean. <laughs> That's a good question, actually. Okay. I, you know, no offense to either of them. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
she's a looker, as they say. Oh yeah. And um, she's uh, definitely got a, a a bit of a, a black hat streak to her. Uh, he does too, although he, he tries to hide it as a Democrat. You know, a Democrat Republicans nonsense. You know. You're either sort of read in on the whole secrets with the big boys and girls, or you're not. And uh, they don't seem like people who really are. I think they shared a sliver of the UFO file. Same yeah. thing with Rubio. Rubio's knows more. Mm-hmm. He's the hawk. You know, he's Curtis LeMay wannabe in some sense. And uh, yeah, Burchett, oh, he's very hawkish. He made fun of Grush in the hearing. Uh, little green men flying saucers. Ha, 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 ha. Mm-hmm. Cool. I was really angry at him for that. And uh, she's, there's a sidekick. Right. You know, Burchett, you know, and, and this beautiful woman, you know, uh, you know, it, it makes for an intriguing pair, but it's mm-hmm. mostly psychological, I think. So pick these people. Um, Burchett seems like a damn near moron to me. Yeah anyone else uh he's just following orders and screwing them up probably yeah i haven't found him particularly effective I'll put it to you that way and uh, i think that you're right that there's a washiness there that's <laughs> he is not serving the state of tennessee in any decent capacity whatsoever mm-hmm. uh maybe the little things bridges roads uh schools that kind of thing but on this subject no uh, he just has a mild interest in it. He pretends to be this, you know, congressional watchdog. Um, and then he goofs around in the trial and makes everyone laugh. That's not, that's not professional whatsoever. Exactly. He's always pulling that. Oh, my wife's going to kill me. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the survival of the human race. In the long <laughs> right. And that's not damn funny at all. No, I agree. I agree. Grandkids, my grandkids, you know, I've got a third on the way. I mean, I'm, I care about fantastic. Well, if you were to rank um, this whole subject in terms of what the public actually knows versus what's being held back for them, what's the state of the situation for the average person on the ground in terms of what they know about the UFO file issue? My wife and I were just discussing this over lunch. I want to be careful here because I don't, I don't, want to just say things you know, I'm, a, I'm a downer sure. guy no i'm not optimist but i'm a realist you know somewhere in between um if you look at uh, people generally mention there's something around three million worldwide in the disclosure arena probably yes maybe a, a few more i, I don't know i say that's a, that's around just right yeah um, 500,000 who are really knowledgeable and hardcore and, you know, know their stuff and all that. Um, if you go back to 1973 with J. Allen Hynek and, and others, checks are fatty, you know, you know, the people around the UFO file back then, uh, if you adjust the knowledge base numbers back then for population, I wonder if we really do have more people now than we did then. I don't I see. know if there's any way of, of doing that metric, but my general feeling is, yes, there's a great awakening that started in the mid-60s, um, but people actively interested in this subject. I mean, you got to remember there's got to be 
a couple million people more maybe who are just like, of course, I believe in UFOs and ET and other civilizations. And they read Asimov and, and uh, you know, they watch movies and things like that. And they're like, yeah, of course. But that's it. They're not interested in anything. Oh, the politics and the dirt. And I'm not interested in that. <laughs> and so you have to count them as part of this number. Right. But really, they're just on an armchair switching channels and they've got literally 30 million other topics to watch. I mean, if you look on Netflix, there's some UFO things and there's Greer and Graham Hancock. Um, yeah. But there's 50 million choices. Right. They're watering down uh, the narrative with more and more and more. I mean, the Romans only had, you know, bread, wine, and circuses. Right. To, you know, and then the public just gambled or did some mild theaters. And they had not much. We have millions and millions and millions of distractions now. That's the problem with the internet. The internet is great, but it's also that's the problem with it. You know, Elon Musk, he has a board meeting with all these people. He's like, I, I, I'm stop the meeting. And he goes and plays video games and drinks a thousand dollar a bottle, uh, you know, Napoleon brandy with his buds. Right. You know, I'm like, he's 52 years old. He's not a kid, but he reflects right. the millennial, you know, fuck it. We're going to get it done. We're young. We're, we're young lions, you know, new, new, new cut the, cut the, you know, time frame for project uh, completion in half, then cut it in half again. The urgency, you know, my God, were they snorting meth? I mean, I'm serious. <laughs> I sleeps under his desk, you know. And, but my point is, uh, the Musk things, you know, he's got millions of followers. You know, he's got this cult of Musk. True. And uh, he's got the personality to do it. He's just, you know, my my whole thing I wanted to talk about him was he is the one of the biggest distractions in the oh world. yeah yeah i'm impressed you know i'm impressed and so everyone's got this more and more every day distractions more and more conspiracy theories that water down and muddy the river they water down the narrative and they muddy the river right it's, it's so this is the obfuscation of the entire issue right i mean my friend uh, you know smart guy is a finance guy He's in his 70s. He sent me the article and he's like, look, this is amazing. And I'm like, this has been known, you know, the the uh, Daily Mail article. And I said, no, we've known about this for 45, 50 years. Right. But that's breaking news. But they're talking about it. All news is good. You know, all press, good, bad. It's all you know, even when they land based and, you know, that's still talking about the subject. Mm -hmm. so, but it's just no, it's crucial. I agree with you. John, I'm very interested in your views on Elon Musk and the kind of transhumanist side of his development. Everyone says, oh, he's a great boom for humanity. I'm like, what, building antiquated stuff and calling it new? Yeah. How does that help humanity? How does that help the American people? Or, you know, he's using your money and he's wasting it. You know, so they might drip him like other corporations, drip him. Oh, here's the new graphene AI interface, you know, gizmo. Mm -hmm. It's just men of materialism of things. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we'll put it in the Tesla car. And that's right. it. Yeah. But remember, he could be working on secret programs, which might account for the the severe stress that he's under. Yeah. Because he, he's had public tirades and breakdowns. And, uh, yeah. Who wouldn't? Right. I mean, you know, to be honest. I don't feel sorry for him, but I understand. Uh, you know, but he, he's dealing with, with 
Mr. Globaloni Black Hat and saying, you know, we're going to give you this graphene thing, but you're going to do what we want with it. And he might have an ethical problem with that. And he's dealing with some of that. Mm-hmm. Like other corporate CEOs, and they were just gotten rid of over the years. Musk right. is a cult. He's the face of all this. So he's a little harder to get rid of. Mm-hmm. But they'll do it if it gets too, if he stands in their way on certain things too much. I'm speculating, but that's what I, I given all of this stuff, digesting it over years, it's just like, if he, you better not, doth not protest too much, Mr. Musk. Yeah. They will ruin him. They'll ruin him so he'll step down. They're going to kill him. It's too widely known. You know, they'll, they, they'll use him until they wring every last drop of blood out of him. And then Do you think that, um, yeah, I agree 100%. Do you think that with SpaceX, the agreement is you can't reveal anything UFO-oriented when you go up there? Don't say a damn thing, Mr. Musk. You keep your mouth shut and keep quoting Fermi's paradox. And, you know, if he, it is possible to send a mission to Mars using chemical rockets. It's impractical. It's, it's financially stupid. And it's, uh, it's going to have a horrible effect on the astronauts. You know, it's zero G degrades your bones. They've proven that. And other, other functions of the body. Oh, yeah. And then they're going to plan to set up this janky colony on Mars. And it's like, well, um, I wonder who else is on board with that plan. You know, if other countries and maybe Mr. E.T. has uh, colonies and bases there, they, he might not be very welcome, despite right. backing him. And don't you think they'll use this whiz-bang AI technology to digitally co- cobble up the mission and make it 100% fake and film yes. it out in Arizona? Absolutely. Hey, we're on Mars, day five. You know, we're driving our te- Tesla Mars buggy here, and we're getting a good charge from the sun. And, you know, easily. Wow. Yeah. Who's going to disprove it? Because they're filming it probably underground, and then some things out in, on a military base in Arizona somewhere, you know, Dugway Proving Grounds or something in Utah, you know, um, they'll have complete security. There might be a whistleblower. Oh, it's fake. And oh, it's just, you said the moon landing is fake. We know, we know it's true. And so they'll do that. So Musk will land on Mars. He'll be another hero. And, and the charade is pumped up. And there's more air pumped into it. And he's a bigger hero and bigger and bigger and bigger. They can't wow. keep doing this stuff forever, though. Do you think um, when you look at that and you... There's this book from 1952, which Werner von Braun wrote, um, called The Martian Project. And in the book, he talks about Elon, who's the leader of Mars. I mean, coincidence. (laughs) Call Carl Young, synchronicity. (laughs) You know, it's interesting uh, because Targ told me that when he met von Braun, he learned that von Braun's mother was very psychic. And I wonder if this isn't built in there. I mean, how odd is it to have this out there from the person who was the father of the space program? And then 70 years later, you have a guy named Elon who wants to go to Mars with SpaceX. Yeah. Uh, Time exists all at once. Um, You can access it anytime you want certain either psychic or or technology gear. Uh, Mm -hmm. Project Looking Glass is real. I've talked to a lot of people who say, well, I didn't. Hear it called that, but yeah, 
you know, three months, six months probabilities, you know, for warfare purposes, strategy and uh, execution. And so, uh, yes. Akashic uh, record? Psychic <laughs> is, is the psychics play a big component in this entire subject because uh, the rumor is SEAL teams are psychic. They have comms and everything, but it's, boy, does that make it, you know, comms can be tapped into their radio frequency, RF. Right. And so to be psychic, you could tell, hey, man, there's a baddie around the corner. You know, it makes sense for that. Space uh, Spacecraft pilot and navigation, yeah, you better believe they're psychic. Uh, it's, it's going at the speed of the mind, as someone said. I can't remember who said that. It's happening at the, in the nanosecond quantum uh, field. It, it's just there's, you've got to be a kick-ass psychic to work in these black programs with this technology, whatever it is. I don't care if you've got a black tank that's invisible, whatever, or you're piling in a triangle that's 10 miles wide. For the Air Force, you know, or Space Force, it doesn't matter. You've got to have psychic people. Because, you know, remember, you go out to space, the physics change, but consciousness probably changes to a degree. And so you need that. It's how ETs, they, they tell us through channelers and people, oh, it's all psychic. You know, nobody right. talks, very little talking, inefficient. And so here you got your giant black triangle and you're waiting at the Stargate for the wormhole to the Andromeda galaxy. And there's a line of ships and they got, you know, space stations with restaurants and, you know, entertainment and everything like that. And you're waiting for months, you know, and boy, I'll bet they take their time. Let's just speculate. They, they, uh, the American uh, military in space, they, they said, okay, psychics go train with some, some of these highfalutin ETs and learn more, get faster, better, faster, better, faster. So when we we don't take that dumb off ramp and we miss the Andromeda galaxy and we end up in you know the twelfth dimension again you know lost you know this is uh, how a lot of this stuff works with space travel and it's consistent in the narrative from the SSP folks all the way up to Russell Targ and the, the, the remote viewer folks um, you know it's like on Jack's forum uh, every now and then they, they talk about remote viewing and MK Ultra and all that oh yeah and how it was connected. Yes. You're a psychic? Well, we're going to make you a better psychic. Really? I'm all for the training. All right. What do I have to do? And then, like, <laughs> we're going to lock you in this Iron Maiden casket <laughs> for a while and then, uh, you know, put you out in the desert with you know, scorpions and Komodo dragons chasing you. That'll <laughs> learn you. And, you know. Then you can go to the moon and tell us what's going on up there. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, the beer stress has incredible an effect on the mind uh in my racing days you know pro racing you're racing at night in the rain at daytona you know for 24 hours it's like i had missing time i mean it was doing some weird things to everyone takes a two-hour shift mm -hmm. well at four in the morning you know your adrenaline's pumping but your brain is doing you're very hyper focused it's like it's like a meditation but you know i had missing time and and i came out of that experience thinking much faster Interesting. Much faster because it's it's high stress. One wrong move and you're dead. Mm -hmm. So it has an effect on the brain. There, this whole, uh, you know, and I've crashed and burned and you know all that bad stuff and <laughs> that's traumatic. Uh, I'm I'm not too <laughs> fractured, but you know, still here.
partially. <laughs> so all that stuff is very important. It's no not question. a little part of the story. It's a major chunk. I want to take you back to something that you said that your dad told you in relation to deep freeze in Antarctica. And he was certainly being a little bit oblique about it, but he was giving you something in relation to it. What is it that he told you deep freeze in Antarctica was all about? Uh, he said that we were drilling missile silos with steam drills and we were doing sub pens like the Germans uh, because the Russians were doing it, which is the old Cold War excuse. Uh, it's valid, I suppose. Uh, but then he said space operations and he didn't elaborate on it. And I asked him again over the years, Antarctica really wasn't on my mind until I read Nick Cook's book. Was mm-hmm. that um, but I asked him before he died a few times, I said, remember what you told me in Antarctica? And he's like, oh, what did I say? <laughs> I said, space operations. He's like, oh, well, they got a lot of satellite traffic and, you know, there's some, there's a hole, electromagnetic hole, and, and uh, you know, you can launch things into space easier, whatever. But he, he didn't, he was devoid of details. Interesting. But, you know, I started talking about Bird and, and writing my book, and he was interested in that. And I said, you know, something big going on down in Antarctica. He's like, he spent a lot of time down there. He was saying, you know, but he was confirming that there's big military stuff going on, and it's getting bigger. I think Turkey wants a base now. Mm-hmm. China's fifth. Didn't uh, did you tell me that um, when he went down there, he he would take you on a number of different trips, but he didn't take you to that one. No way. Yeah, I asked a dozen times. I know he went three times to Secretary of Navy, maybe before that. And as a senator in the Armed Services Committee, I think he did on one trip because he said, well, um, you know, we're doing, we're, we're circumnavigating the globe and we're stopping along the way. And I said, you going to South America? And he's like, yeah, we're going to go there. And he sort of, had, if you go to Argentina or, you know, and he said, well, you know, yeah, and, you know, Sao Paulo and something. And, and I said, why? What's on there? I don't know. And so he didn't. But if you're going to go to Argentina, my guess is that's a stopping point. Oh, but yeah. But he definitely went to New Zealand, and that's the big one, because the Air Force takes off flights every half an hour, I was told. I can't confirm that by anything on the Internet, but it makes sense. You need a lot of supplies um, every half hour. And I don't know, it's a couple-hour ride to McMurdo or something, and then that's a stopping point. And then there are stories that McMurdo, you just get on a, under the ice and there's tunnels to all our bases there. And probably to some of our international bases, they're all connected under the ice. Fascinating. You know, the, the, the environment above the ice is just horrific. Blowing winds, 100 degrees below zero, it's in, inhospitable at best. Now, everything's under the ice. It's just practical. You watch Project Ice Worm, and they kind of screwed that up. Not, not Operation Deep Freeze. That, that was ongoing, and it's still ongoing, officially. That I know. Absolutely incredible. They're, they're doing some big stuff down there. I, mm-hmm. Come on. I think they probably found some ancient ruins, maybe some you know ancient spacecraft that had crashed and stuff. Sure, you know, something's got their attention, and it's expensive and difficult to do anything there. Right. Very expensive and difficult. 
But my guess is now maybe they've been, what, 50, 60 years we've been down there, 70 years. And they probably got a tunnel under the ocean to mm-hmm. Argentina or somewhere else, maybe New Zealand. And you don't see anyone hardly coming or going because you just get on a plane in New Zealand or get on the tunnel and go. I mean, you have to, everyone's like, oh, it's impossible. No, it's not. It's just hard work. Right. With tunnel boring machines. If you're a thousand feet below the ocean floor, I think, I think you're fine. Mm-hmm. If you geology and the substrata work, uh, you can definitely dig a tunnel. It's big enough for two way highway. Well, between birds explanation uh, with high jump and all the weirdness there and the the genuine kind of strangeness of him you know going out there and then the nazis seeking out his information about how to go there (laughs) and everything and then all these reports around antarctica and the ufo file uh sightings it's all this stuff if you go through it for decades what is it that you think could be operational down there oh well we know the ice cube project from eric hecker uh, which is neutrino tracking, deep space. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you could track a sub on the other side of the world, but you can track a lot of other things. <laughs> so people, people tend to see one technology and they see, oh, it only does this. It's like, no, you're looking at a Swiss Army knife. Mm-hmm. It's multiple things for your billions and trillions of taxpayer dollars. Uh, the hole is definitely good for space launches. Um, no one's covering that. I was told that the uh, no-fly zone is for satellites, too, as well as aircraft, and that the NSA runs that. Interesting. That's all I can find out about it. Now, if that's true, uh, why is the NSA in charge and not the United States Navy? Right. NSA is supposed to be a civilian agency up here in Maryland. What are they doing down there? So they're everywhere. Um, they're probably overseeing all the all the kids and making sure they don't fly over. Mm-hmm. You know, the Russians have a, uh, you know, they've done some studies of late boss talk and there's a lot of electromagnetic anomalies around there and under the ice. And, you know, it, it's, we're not getting a lot of Intel out of Antarctica, but there are tantalizing clues as to its importance. And yes, absolutely. This is what's interesting to me. I did some research around this character, Lloyd Berkner, who Kennedy was going to meet at the trademark on his way and he got assassinated. Yes, and so is the so-called mayor of Area 51, Richard Bissell. Bissell. Yes. My dad knew Richard Bissell very well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, uh, I met him when I was younger. Um, Very interesting guy. Um, He would always come to Alfalfa Club meetings and I would always sit next to Clark Clifford and he and I would talk Vietnam War and other things. We, We were good historians that way. And uh, but I remember Bissell and and my dad's like, oh, man, that guy is a powerful guy around D.C. Uh, he would point out individuals to me and says, you know, if you want to you want you want to know who's the most important guy in the room, you're looking at him. And that wow. was so I just thought I'd drop that in there. I don't know any secrets that he told me or anything, but it's no, no, I got you. Well, Bissell's hardcore in the UFO file. He, oh, yeah. he, he controls everything in relation to Blue Book and everything else. Um, and the satellite setup, that whole thing about them using the satellites to spy inward and outward. <laughs> uh, yeah. and of course, Kennedy gets rid of Bissell along with Dulles and the whole gang. 
which that was not smart. You sh he should have kept those enemies closer. Interesting. He really should have. Uh, he signed his own death warrant. Mm -hmm. uh, he really just, damn him and Bobby. Uh, my dad knew all three brothers. He went to law right. school with Bobby at UVA. He, he best friends with Ted Kennedy, but my dad knew all three brothers. Liked him, even though he worked on Nixon campaigns as an advanced man. And I'd had long conversations. I admire uh, John and, and uh, all three for certain things. And, and we would have long discussions. And he said, you know, I, I loved them, all of them. But man, they could be arrogant and naive like nobody's business. And and to be fair, we all are. Mm -hmm. uh, in government, we, oh, I'm president of the United States. You know, I kick ass. You know, you get a little higher on the horse and you think, oh, they're not going to mess with me. Well, yes, they will. Mm -hmm. Um my dad realized that he says, you can't go against the power structure in regards to super sensitive topics only so far. And they ripped up the rule book and went, I admire that. They ripped up the rule book and went straight at him, full power, you know, guns blazing. And of course, uh, but I, you know, if I had to put myself in John Kennedy's position, I would not share the UFO file with those Soviets. Interesting. Um, you could do it on the back channel a little bit and say, you know, I think that's what he was trying to get done. You know, my dad said in the SALT II meetings in 1972 in Moscow, one of the major things that got done was a really, really good communication systems between the White House, Pentagon, and the Kremlin. Mm -hmm. He was in directly involved with that system. And um, because there was a lot of miscommunications, we could have gone to World War III a, a million times. We got so close and it was really okay. started worrying people. Well, it's fascinating because um, when you're mentioning these characters and people like Bissell and all that, just to round out this Berkner guy, he's with Bird in Antarctica from 1928 to 1930. And uh, radio sets up radio there at Little America. Then he is uh, part of the Robertson panel. He heads it up for the first UFO 1952 panel. So this guy's showing up in the Kennedy administration in Antarctica around the UFO file, heading it up. And it's these threads of what's going on with these people. So Berkner leaves a note about what he's going to talk with Kennedy about that day. And he says, when we're done, it's going to have international staggering implications and all this stuff. And Kennedy makes this list about having the White House flag flown in and how they're going to deliver it by helicopter and all yeah, that. That's what that was about. But this he, could have been the announcement of sharing these things with the Russians. Yeah. Um, Berkner might have had a change of heart. Didn't want to keep something secret because we were facing global thermonuclear war. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Kennedys saved our ass with the Russian ambassador. All of us, with a little debt of gratitude, saved all our lives. And... Uh, Bergner might have been having a change of heart because it's like, well, the secrecy is important, but not at the cost of, the, of you know, blowing up the world, killing everyone. Right. Then no one wins. Mm -hmm. So they might, have, they might have said, okay, look, Kennedy probably had a group of people around a table. Berkner was one of them. Maybe Bissell, maybe some others. Keep the guys in the fold and said, look, we got we got to breach this subject a little with the Soviets and maybe a little bit with the public because man, we don't want to people to th see things in the sky and think, well, we're shooting missiles 
and other things and aircraft with atomic weapons, we could start World War III with, you know, some UFOs cruising over Kansas, just picking up corn samples, you know, la-di-da, you know, it's like, oh, my God, a Russian <laughs> bear bomber with an atomic weapon. And it's like, oh, oh, you know, and we were really close to some of that, which is mm-hmm. probably why ET groups were like, oh, we better turn off some of these big nukes. Yeah. Because we don't own this planet, folks. We don't own it. There are other people living here, pretty sure. And uh, Well, you make an excellent point about one of the key functions of these UFO sightings is over nuclear bases and at times they just shut down the missiles straight up. Yeah. Uh, John, my, my last question is for you, and this is all very, very interesting. Um, I'm kind of stuck on this UFO thing for 2024. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be right front and center in that presidential campaign. Um, guys like Trump, guys like Bobby... Can they do anything to move the UFO file if they get in? Well, that's the billion-dollar question, now, isn't it? Um, I think they both like to. Mm-hmm. The problem with everyone in government and the military, the problem is um, you know, Chris Mellon and the company and everybody, it's like, yes, we need to tell the public about the basics, but we don't want a wildfire to start. So wildfire is going to turn into a French Revolution, possibly. Uh, I hope it wouldn't. Um, First of all, it's super difficult to understand some of this, you know, the the history of it. But being the public, being the public, you know, they're going to make it a black and white thing. You know, and that's been the problem with disclosure for the last since Kennedy's time when they were like, oh, should we tell the public anything? And it's like, no, it's going to start a wildfire. Uh, the, the good information will be ruined by the bad information. Uh, the public will just, you know, and the internet has made it a hundred times worse. So what to do? Well, there's something driving them, whether it's project looking last, looking in the future and saying, well, there's going to be disclosure anyway, you better get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, you better get ahead of it. And, uh, they got to do something. Right. So, do the pres is it the president's purview? I don't think it should be. I think they should get a scientist up there, not a politician or a military person. Right. Yeah, you know, I vote for you, but <laughs> you guys do it, not me. Um, but somebody who's a civilian, and maybe a group, men and women, uh, hopefully multiracial, and say, oh, you know. It's a difficult thing, but we got to come to terms with, you know, we're not alone in the universe and we've been visited. And yes, we've had contact and some technology, you know, transfers and, and things like that. You got to broach it. The problem is, and I'll say it to a million times, they've waited too long. Mm. You know, they have had, they've had to wait too long to get guys like Bobby Ray Inman and the other black hats and some of the people who are really bad psychopaths with, we don't know the names of, you know, who say, yeah, you do that, I'm going to blow up the world. My buddy's over here, we'll blow up the world. And they've been blackmailed to not revealing it. Well, something's changed since 2017. And I think it's some of these old guys have passed on. Either they've had a come to Jesus moment and they have all the money in the world or something. And they're like, ah, sure, why not? Doesn't affect me. you know. Or you get people that really don't want it. But now a group, a faction within the military, industrial, intelligence, corporate complex says, well, now we have most of the cards. 
So we're going to do something, whether you black hats want it or not. We have the gray hats. And that's what we're seeing. But unfortunately, I'm trying, you know, it's like my discussions with John L. Peterson and others. I mean, Greer, everybody. It's like um, they've waited too late, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, the Internet's mature. There's a ton of information, both good and bad. And uh, the public does not have a lot of dis- discernment. Right. They want easy black and white answers. And if you say ET bad and we good, then most people will think that. And that's wrong. It's very nuanced. You know, we live in a duality universe. We've got duality to deal with everybody, on everybody's level out there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very complex and nuanced. And the world doesn't like complex, nuanced, gray, divisions of gray areas. They want things easy, black and white. Right. That's the real problem is the general public around the world. I'm not knocking them. I don't blame them for thinking that way. We've been poorly educated. We've been educated mostly bullshit, lies about who we are, our history, everything. It's like, and now you want to open Pandora's box, but you only want to open it a sliver. Mm -hmm. That's not what Pandora's box is all about. And ours box is about throwing it open and letting all the, the janky uh-huh. stuff down. Yeah. It's yeah. going to happen no matter what operation they do. The different operations or choices they have right now are ones that are either quicker or slow it down. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of in favor of the slowing down thing. Before, I was like, you know, slam it open. In fact, disassemble the whole box and shake it, shake it out. Okay, but, you know, that's going to cause major upset in the world, maybe loss of life. I don't want that. So is the slow drip thing? Well, I kind of been doing that for 70 years, but they've accelerated now a little more. But they're throwing more lies and half-truths around it, and that's making it worse. That's my point. That's, That's the whole reason I'm coming out against Chris Millen and all his teams. It's like, guys... I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to do slow drip disclosure and don't want people to panic and, you know, commit suicide and all that, but you're lying and you're using half truths and, and doing all this other stuff mixed in with the good ideas. Mm -hmm. That's not a good strategy, but they may be facing a scenario where there isn't a good strategy. It's the least worst choice. Oh, right. That makes me very sober, and, and everyone is like, mm, shit, no matter what we do. But I know this much through history. It's like the more you lie about something big, the worse it's going to be when the truth finally comes out. Absolutely. And so, you know, I understand what they're doing. You know, he's got theatrical training. He's very polished. and You know, Crush. he's kind of goofy and, oh, gosh, darn it. Yeah. You know, Timberchat, you know, gee whiz, you know, and all this junk, you know, and it's like, man, they're just got a giant lipstick that they're just putting on this massive monster hog. Unbelievable. And, you know, it's lipstick on a pig. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's going to make things worse than coming out and saying, you know, don't say, you don't have to say a lot, but say, whatever you say, have it be the truth mm-hmm. and not a mixed, an amalgam of, you know, little white lies, outright fabrications, and, you know, tidbits of truth, the flavor, you know, the stew. They've told so many false stories at this point. Yeah. 
between Lou and Grush and but the whole Chris. history. And the military denying it, denying. Yeah, they're going to come up with national security as the as the default excuse for everything. And right. it's like national security is important up to a point, but this is beyond anything in our history, and it it it's it completely uh, it freezes you down to the spine. Um, because they're making it worse. Every Grouch that comes out, every hearing, every dog and pony show, every Lou, Lion Lou, they got coming out here doing this stuff and saying, oh, well, you know, it's an anomaly in the phenomenon. And saying it's an anomaly and saying it's a mystery and a phenomenon, you know, that kind of wishy-washy rhetoric, that's making it far worse. Hmm. Because when they yeah. say it's a mystery, that is a 100% solid lie. U.S. Mm -hmm. military knows who's coming and going. They know their agendas, probably most of them. And so it's a lie to say, gosh, it's a mystery we need to solve. Right. You are perjuring yourself in the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't give a shit. The public's stupid. We don't care. They'll, they'll believe anything we say because we're officials. We're elected. We're elect Chris Mellon to do this job, or Grush, or you know, no one, no one appointed them. People don't forget that they think didn't Congress appoint your cousin? I'm like, no, no one did. They appointed themselves. Yes, and that all the responsibilities and, and dirty laundry and everything that goes with that, you know because no one in Congress wanted to touch it, no one in the military wanted to touch it. And yeah, you guys do it. You have our blessings, but nothing on paper, nothing public. You know. Who do you okay. think was prompting them in the background? Would you say it was the CIA doing the push because they wanted to? And this actually gets to a question I had for you, which is, is this the ex-protect group? Is it the breakaways breaking back in because they need to fast track the technology now? They figured it out enough and now they need a story. You know, they, they have, everything's become very mature, you know, like, like Ben Rich said, we're interstellar. Right. Let yeah. that and Ben Rich said that, not me. You know, at, you got to take that into account. We may be mucking around the galaxy and beyond using wormholes with our friends and allies fighting who knows who and giving Earth an iffy reputation. It doesn't need more bad publicity, we have a terrible reputation by all accounts, you know, it, it, and so <laughs> yeah. it's CIA and Bard, probably part of it, part of the DIA, part of the NRO, part of the Air Force, Navy, intelligent, you know, parts of them are on board with this and maybe they're keeping the other factions at bay for now. Right. But if this thing goes off, I bet you there's there's a, a the meeting held with a hundred people and they said if this goes off the rails, we're gonna shut it down. And that right. means we're all gonna die with it. If you you say you can control this narrative and let out a little bit and keep society rolling along with our little technology rollout with Musk and everybody else, fine. But if you screw up and you it goes off the rails, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna shut it down. And we have plausible deniability. That'll, that'll be a, a World War Three type scenario, in, a, in maybe a more limited fashion. In in that, everyone's like World War Three. They see the war in the Gaza Strip. You know, World War Three, and it's like, 
No. No one's going to use big news, but they'll use everything else. Uh, yes. Use, you know, satellite-based weapons that can decimate cities without radiation. They'll use big stuff. Because if the narrative starts rolling off the tracks, and I, I don't see... A, a, I don't see an alternative. I think it's going to at some point. It's just a matter of when and where. Um, the real black hats might pull the cork. And, you know, right. Musk is ramrodding all this technology, fast-tracking it. What is his impetus? It can't just be market share against automakers and rocket makers. Other space companies. It's got to be something else giving it, lighting a fire in his butt. Because he's he halves those production tables in time. I oh, got to half it, then half it again. Fire! You're fired. You hundred are fired. I mean, he's he's got an impetus, a, a burning psychological, sociopathic impetus to to do this fast. It's like a ticking time bomb scenario. Yeah. Because there might be a component where it's like, okay, this we're rolling some of this out. You corporations better start catching up. And doing civilian versions of what we got in the back room at a USAP in Utah and everything. And it's like, oh, shit, that's going to take some engineering because you don't, you only gave us this much. And they're giving him more. You know, I mean, it's it's coming. I think what, what a lot of people in that deep state world want, whether altruistic or not, and everything in between, they want uh, to accelerate humanity quick into a class one civilization type. Now, a class one civilization uh, it was coined by, uh, I can't remember who, Jacques Vallée or somebody, but that's someone with free energy, no war, and uh, more equality and, and uh, you know. Was no that the whole Kardashev? Yeah, thing? Kardashev, all yeah. that. It's like they want that, but not the equality part per se. Uh, we don't want that. We only want the, uh, everyone, knows about the technology, but there's something they can do about it. So, and then we'll, you know, world populations, some people say they're dropping. Uh, maybe they'll accelerate that. And then, you know, you've got that component. And, eh, Two billion sounds right. We can we can control that. And then Musk rolls out the Neuralink on mass saying, you will get this new virus if you don't put it in your brain. Oh, right. Okay. You know, there are ways to put a carrot in front of people, starving people uh, that are really insidious. But, you know, it's there's easy ways to manipulate the herd. This is really disturbing. This is what keeps me up at night. It's like, boy, the pandemic was dry run. All they have to do is, is launch a super virus. And it's like, oh, you need uh, this vaccine. And, you know, we really recommend this the Elon Musk version two chip this will prevent your your immune system from going haywire and you won't die oh whoa yes and people will absolutely because you can inject it now i'm sure you don't need to cut a hole in your brain in a few years the the, the stories of nanite technology and uh, you know all that stuff where you know microchips are the size of human cells you know blood cells you know they probably have that you know nanites right and, and, you know, a lot of people think there's nanites in us all now from the vaccine. So it's like maybe all they have to do is flip a switch because the nanites and everything are already in our system. Oh, wow. I will obey Elon Musk. I will drive my Tesla to work. I will work an ATR day because that's good for the club. Wow. 
Yeah. I mean, these are everyone thinks these. You know, we're we're really headed towards this. I mean, go test drive a freaking Mercedes and look at what all the AI in it. It's really intrusive and dangerous. I mean, it, these are little things now, but they're going to get bigger, bigger and bigger and bigger until they say you have to do this or you will die. Reminds me of a cult. You know, whether it's, you know, religious cult, 12-step programs, whatever. They, they always say, do our dogma, believe in it, or you will die. Right. Die, 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 die. That works like a charm. I've seen brainwashing in action. Uh, my producer was an alcoholic. I went to a lot of 12-step meetings with her in the South, churches. And the, the blue book rhetoric is just right out of Scientology. It's like... You've got to believe in a higher power. You've got to you know, believe that you're nothing. You you should be ashamed and guilty of your alcoholism and drugs. You know you should be ashamed of all that. They use guilt as a tool and shame, and then they say you better read the big book and believe in every word and go to every meeting or you will die. You will die. You will die. Die. They're going to do that on a different massive scale, and they will say, "Fine, don't take the vaccine or chip, but you're going to die." Right. And they're going to be really serious about it. Musk will be up there. I'm sorry, all my my fans and everybody. You've got to do this. And don't worry. The Tesla version is the best. Because right. everything he does, the version of, is the best. Or he doesn't. He's like, why is my car not flying on anti-gravity? Seriously. And they're like, well, there's challenges to engineering. He's like, I don't care. Do it. And just says, do it. Doesn't say how to do it. He just says, do it. And so... Right. You know, if they're going to roll out a lot of technologies, they'll use corporations and people like Elon Musk to do so, Bezos, other cult personalities. And they'll say, please do this. You know, please drive a car with a Tesla box in it or you will die. Or they will say they will say, you know, traffic deaths have increased. They could say anything they want in the news media. Oh, it's not one point three million. Now it's a, it's a billion worldwide. You better start using the black box or buy a Tesla. Or, Unbelievable. Know, use wow. a test. The big three GM will say, well, you can drive our electric Cadillac, Lyric, but it's got a Tesla black box in it, or you will die. Man, what a strange new world we're in. And it's accelerating at a fast rate. Where is the uh, UFO file going at this point? In the dumpster? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> um, it's, let me, let me. Let me think. It, it's like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of an antique painting. Well, let's just say, you know, an impressionist, French impressionist. And it's it's took years for the artist to do it with a lot of help from you know, a lot of people. There were a lot of artists of art. It was a group effort by the impressionists along the Seine, you know, eating picnics and drinking absinthe and hallucinating. <laughs> but And then all of a sudden it comes along and it's like, it's hanging out in a public square and everyone's like, I'm an artist. I'm artistic. I'm going to change this. Yeah, that looks better. And then other people, you know, there's brushes and paints everywhere. Yeah. You know, I'm going to change, change this. And then it just gets added on to spin. Now we're troweling globs of paint. <laughs> you know, and the original painting is long gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're stuck with this thing that's not an Impressionist painting. It's just a pile of paint and, and, and you know, a th talk about a thousand cooks in a kitchen. you got millions. 
and you and I are doing the same thing. We are adding our voices to this mix. Yeah. Probably more akin to a chef doing a stew. Oh, what should I put in it? And everyone's like, you need this and that. Well, that doesn't go together. So what? You know, <laughs> you know, a million cooks ruin the stew. Mm-hmm. It's, UFO file is a living, breathing, morphing entity in itself. Yeah. And the people that want to keep it hidden, keep throwing rhubarb and, you know, pop tarts into a, you know, the bouillabaisse. That doesn't work. Oh, who cares? <laughs> It'll derail the flavor. We don't want the real, you know, yeah. we don't want anybody tasting the chicken that's in it. That's, that's protein. No, that's hard protein. No, no, I'll keep hot sauce. You know, and it's getting, <laughs> it's getting, uh, you know, obfuscated at a, at a accelerated rate. Oh, wow. Yes. And it's warping and changing you know, as it should. New intel, new insights, new opinions, new, new, new everything, whistleblowers. But boy, it, the, the, the stew is, is unpalatable. Um, you take one bite and it's like, oh, God. <laughs> but it's the, only it's the UFO we, menu, as it were. Yeah, it's the only thing we have to eat as far as this, this issue goes is the ufo file and it's it's excluding our history and anthropology and megalithic building and religious issues and and uh ancient history and you know warfare and it's excluding a lot of that they're focusing on the hardware and lights in the sky and maybe a gray guy with big eyes you know with sunglasses on you know and that's all they're talking about and this goes back to the story that a military friend of my father told me long ago they don't give a flying fuck about talk everyone talking about aliens and landings and back engineering stories and you know they don't care about that they care about all the history and the, you know the religious stuff and, and what they're doing in usaps and all. they want all that extraneous stuff so we're stuck with a pot of crappy stew but all the side dishes <laughs> oh no there's no mac and cheese with lobster and Parmesan. No way. You know, and they, they, they're focusing <laughs> on this pot of unpalatable stew and they keep daily adding more and more stuff. Fascinating. Like, yes. You know, how are you going to reconcile that? If they're saying there are no side dishes or those aren't important, they'll ruin your palate for the main course. You know, it, it's, it's like that. And so over the years, it's just gotten tainted and more tainted and screwed up and messed up. And all, oh, yeah, that's delicious, but that's going to get that away from us. You know, that's going to spoil your appetite for the main event. Right. So most people don't dig into the history, and connect the dots with megalithic structures that are impossible. And uh, the pyramid, uh, the Giza Plateau, that's a lifetime of study. Oh, absolutely. Two lifetimes. Yes. You know, I've read all of John Anthony West and Farrell has good insights. Others have good insights, you know, and it, it, it's like, oh, man. That whole ancient history side of, of this whole file, uh, that's a lifetime of study. Megaliths, I mean, that's, that take a good year of constant study to, to figure out, you know, you know, in Baalbek, those two stones, one's 1,400 tons and the other 1,600 tons. At Baalbek, they're like, oh, they use logs with olive oil and oxen and a million. <laughs> One of the things uh, you mentioned there, which I can't let you get away without asking your opinion. I never get away with anything. 
always catch me, Daniel. <laughs> Those cone heads. Good. Yeah. And the cone head skulls. What do you think was going on there? Are they imitating visitors? Is it some kind of psychic process where they extend the pineal gland? What's happening? You mean with the oblong-headed people? Yeah. Well, in ancient history, well, we got uh, several issues. Uh, one, Neanderthals had bigger brains than we did, yet we turned out to have higher consciousness skills and, you know, invent the wheel. Uh, what is that? Okay. So let's assume, for giggles, it's true that ET's been adding genetics to our genome. And maybe it's true that some of the I Italian Deste royalty and others had kind of bigger, strange-looking melon heads, you know, and, hmm, it was probably, you know, were they Martians that came out from a damaged civilizations? Were they smarter? Were they more psychic? they probably, I'm not an anthropologist, uh, I've studied it, but it, it's like a bigger brain doesn't necessarily make you smarter. But yeah. maybe what, what it was, was the ability to this race of humans, they were humans, they were a different race, you know, um, uh, they have extra psychic and telekinesis abilities, uh, the abilities to astral travel on, at a snap, you know, and, you know, meditate and do wise things, maybe move giant stones with their minds. You need a, some capacity in cubic centimeters to do that. You know, it's like an engine. If you build a bigger engine, it's going to be more power, more torque for you to do whatever job you needed to do. You can make a smaller engine do that with turbochargers and you know, nitrous oxide and other things. No, it, it seemed like this race found wherever they came from, or maybe they in, they grew out of the human race at some point. But whatever happened, or they were an ET group that seeded some of us, and they were like hung around, said, "Well, this is fun," you know. And then they interbreeded, and slowly the the, the head shrunk over the eons. Wow. Wow. Let's say they've been here you know, a couple hundred thousand years. Yeah, and so. That works, um, or they had a genetic problems or, or something, and they died out quicker. Uh, we have big heads, but damn it, I keep getting the fever. Uh, you know, <laughs> damn that bayou swamp and those alligators. <laughs> damn it, the alligator people. We gotta be going to watch for them. And you know, so it, there's a lot of theories that that do make sense over it. Um, they were certainly people of importance, the Peruvian mm -hmm. ones. And it, I found them on some illustrations from ancient China. They weren't oblong, but they were <laughs> big. I was oh, like, fascinating. Is that Confucius? <laughs> 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 this is like the Ming Dynasty era. And, and you know, it's like, who's the soothsayer guy? Oh, the wizard of, you know, Qi Qing. And it's like, who's that? And why is his head so big around the campfire? And it's so it's all around the world. It's not just Peru and, you know, they, mm -hmm. they Europe and you know maybe some of the, the priests and bishops had bigger heads over the years. You think it's an Atlantean, like an ET Atlantean leftover? It could have been. I remember Atlantis. Uh, Casey and everybody talks about Atlantis. Everyone who writes about it says it was intergalactic. You know, it was yeah. coming and going every day. Hey, yeah. we got more banana cream pie from Betelgeuse. <laughs> you know, yeah. Here's some oracalcum and some crystals. Oh, cool. You know, there was trade. I think that trade never stopped. Interesting. It was just hidden from us. Do you think the uh, atomic explosions were related to all the UFO activity after the fact? Oh, there was UFO activity before the fact. Yes. They knew where we were up to. It ain't stupid. 
I didn't traverse space and time from other galaxies because they're stupid. They know exactly what's going on with the, the kids, the yeah. dynamite, and the, and the matches, and the gasoline. They know exactly what's going on. Now, you don't want to interfere too much. That's the narrative. Law of non-intervention, which gets into hermetic law. Believe in that. And uh, But they monitored it closely. But... Man, uh, Oppenheimer said it, you know, I have become the destroyer of worlds. That's from the Vedic test, the Mahabharata, you know, worlds plural. He knew they were cutting through the dimensions and killing people we can't see. And that's probably why when we did the hydrogen bomb, as Farrell said, the yields were much higher. And that we were sucking yeah. energy in from other dimensions, the higher dimensions. All right. Well, I'll bet that messed up things. So they got together and started... Look at history. It's a, it's an incredible miracle that no rogue agent has gotten a nuclear bomb and set it off in the seventy-five years. Absolutely, years. John. What are they up to now? Talk about Farrell said the kitchen sink. Holy cow! They're doing the whole kitchen. Beef up the UFO vial. More JFK conspiracy. More wars. More this. More that. Everything. More Elon Musk nonsense. You know, I mean, the airways are just flooded with this crap. It's unbelievable. I don't blame anyone for being confused or distracted or bored. Or I, I really don't. I mean, I'm trying to make heads or tails of it myself. I mean, my wife and I watch a little bit of the news. And I peruse a couple of news services and see what they're up to. <laughs> I was up something. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> and they must be talking about the UFO file more. They're debunking it and they're adding on to it, debunking it, adding on in equal measure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What happens if you have... Yin and yang, and two equal forces. Mm-hmm. Balance. Stability. Status quo. Right. So more conspiracy, more debunking, and congressional nonsense. It's really going nowhere. There's a little of this. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, it's staying in this middle zone. And I think that's also part of the, maybe, part of the idea they're talk using it as clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. You can't not talk about it. That's suspicious now with the internet or conspiracy theorists worldwide. Um, you got to do something. So talk more about it, but debunk it. Come out with a Chris Mellon thing and then have con- Congress and all these other agencies in the news giggle over it and debunk it. So every time, you know, it's like, it's like what they asked Stanton Friedman, uh, I think 10 years ago at a, a, one of the UFO conferences. And they said, you know, the hippie guy got up and said, you know, don't you think we're doing great things here at the you know, contact in the desert, you know, 10 or whatever? Don't you think we're moving along? He's like, no. It's like, don't you think we've advanced the knowledge of UFOs and the UFO phone? He's like, not really. A yeah. little. A little. And if he was alive today, he'd say the same thing. There's more of it. No question. But it's just more. Mm-hmm. Oh, the disclosure movement's winning. No, they're not. I'm sorry. That's a realist telling you my observation. It's we advance a little bit with the public and the press. Nah, and then the whole Grush thing was debunked and the hearing went south and little green men and flying saucers. And then we're back to, to 10 or 20 years ago. <laughs> People calling me up and saying, oh, the trial went nowhere. You're full of shit. And all your right. You know, you're, uh, you know. That's unbelievable. 
Yeah. We're all in on it. Groosh too. I'm convinced of that. I, I said that on your, our last interview, but that was before the Groosh hearing. Our last yes. interview, I said, I think they're all in on it. Yeah. Burchett and everything. And I, I was proven right. One person like, you, you were right. Everyone else was like, oh, you're <laughs> Finally. And you melons, you know. And, and, you know, it, but they, they were all in cahoots. And yeah. They signaled to their various groups, oh, we'll play ball by your rules. Don't worry. We're not going to, we're not going to. Grush's testimony, all the stuff he said was third party, you know, innuendo and, and, you know, it's like, Remember the old days, someone would write a third-party post-dated check and try to give it to you instead of cash. It was very rare, but that's 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 what he was doing. Yes, Acting a dumb third-party post-dated check. Well, I met someone who saw the photo. That's He's, ultimate deniability. You could make the argument, Daniel. You could that Grusha set back ufology ten years. Oh wow! Yes, fifteen years. With this dog and pony show nonsense hearing, came right after Dr. Greer's, you know, press conference at the press club in D.C. You know, came right after it suspiciously, and um, with Burchett shooting his dumb mouth off on everything, saying, oh, "We're getting they get to the bottom of this," you know, by misleading people and telling lies. That's how they're going to get to the bottom of it. So they're going to come out with their version of the truth and yeah, there's some ETs and yeah, you know, whatever. And that's it. Go back to work, go back to school and stop bothering us. We'll <laughs> tell you what you need to know public when you need to know it and what you need to know. Right. It's all under control. And don't listen to this group of mad people over here waving flags and screaming and doing all this stuff. Don't, don't do that. We're officials. We're U.S. government officials. Or retired officials, retired military and intelligence people, we're the ones who are going to give you the truth. We have the truth. No one else does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that'll work for a while, but it's going to go off this rails. I don't. I it's, don't know. It's and an unbelievable situation. I absolutely agree with it. But you nailed it there, which is they've put it in a position where actually, strangely, it's being discredited more than ever. And maybe they'll throw Goosh to the wolves, you know, like Oswald. They have the ability. UFO file Oswald. I think you mentioned that um, yes. in your last show. It, it's it's like, oh, I could see that too. Hey, hey, help the world, David Grush. And then they just throw, toss him to the wolves after he's done a few, you know, Rogan right. shows. And, you know, there's a table, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah outlet for the world what is once they get their data mining done with him they're like oh. uh the bobo the new bobo they're already on the hunt for the new bobo he's more than a bobo i think mm -hmm. but he's suspiciously tom delong-esque you know mm -hmm. it's like tom delong basically tripped over himself he's a punk rocker he does drugs rides a skateboard and then he wears a funny hat in their interviews and say it's all cool man it's all cool <laughs> all right and Okay, that didn't work. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, that didn't work. You know, they used him up and they didn't toss him to the wolves. He's still over there doing something, skateboard rally, UFO conference. Yeah, bring your skateboard. Do acid, drop acid, ecstasy. You know, and now they have Grush, who's an Air Force officer. He's a major. 
and he's an official and he's he's got a security clearance. He's a real forget everyone else we we rolled out. Ah, forget it. No, he's a real deal. You know, American hero, Buck Rogers. You know, here you go. But they've done all this stupid shit and 80 years of lying and all the project blue books. And there's a lot of dirty laundry and, and not to mention the possibilities of new stuff, human trafficking that career covered by UAV and special forces, uh, not military ones, but corporate special forces. I believe that's true. Boy, they don't want that. I think, I think when Danny Sheehan and I had our talk after the Greer uh, conference, uh, what he was telling me was, you know, Greer had some military whistleblowers that can be vetted. And I talked to a, a couple of them. They were, they were very honest guys. Excellent. That they were really starting to do dangerous things in a very short-sighted way. And that could trigger these uh, black hats to, you know, drop a bomb or something. Um, and so, you know, Greer's like, I don't believe in, in regressive ET, you know, that everyone's an angel. And it's like, no, we live in a duality universe. Everything is as a duality, light and dark gray. If you spin the yin and yang symbol, it turns gray. Excellent point. Yes. Why I, I figured that out on my dumb head, but I did. And it's like... <laughs> everything in the universe that way it, it, it's logical but you know greer says no and i think that's a dangerous message i told him that he's like no you don't know what you're talking about i said okay whatever man you know uh, you know he he's but he's done a lot of good work other than that and these two whistleblowers he had they were boy they were right at the end of the train line boom they were yelling out stuff you know, high-tech ufos with artificial intelligence that were alive and you know, human trafficking, drugs, and all that stuff. They were they were really something. But this is starting to nibble around that part of the cookie they don't want you to take a bite of. Right. And, uh, of course, I've been, you know, I've been saying it. I believe it because history is always much darker and dirtier and nastier than what they tell us in the books. There's no question. You know, and it's like people don't do that. They, they, they do the high school history and whatever. And so it's... We're starting to, to, to get near that third rail. And when people start stepping on the third rail, I mean, all kinds of fireworks are going to start to go off. Chris Mellon included, and his guys, you know, they, they argue about Avi Loeb and, uh, you know, whether Travis Taylor and Jack Starfatti can come up with a, an equation to explain warp drive. And I'm like, that's interesting. It is important, but it's mm -hmm. nowhere near as important as the rest of the geopolitical stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah the societal, you know, effects, you know, that's a technical problem. And so everyone's doing their bit. I don't, I'm not knocking them. I think it's interesting stuff, the physics that I can understand, but that's only one facet of it. And, and human nature is like, well, we'll tackle this problem. Well, the problem with that is this is not a piecemeal problem. This is a problem that you must, you've got to try to understand the whole thing where it won't make any sense. Well, why are, you know, everyone's argument of why is E.T. coming here if we're so violent? Right. Maybe that's why they're coming. <laughs> right. Is to yeah. help us out a little bit on the down low with how and, and, and under cosmic law or whatever, they can do that because everything's gone off the rail. The human experiments has gone off the rail. Oh, wow. Never supposed to be this violent and genocidal. And, oh, by the way, you're out in space fighting people. Whoops. Uh, 
uh, that wasn't part of the grand plan that we had, you know, half a million, million years ago for you guys. We mm-hmm. wanted to become spiritual and, you know, yogis and meditative and service to others and help people and bake cookies and cakes. This could be part of it too, John. Yeah, if they're looking the in the future, war. they're seeing earth changes are coming in and they're like, oh, this is what we're doing. We're speeding up our own clock. Right. Some of these earth changes they talk about can be human made. Excellent point. Yes. Yeah. This cosmic war, sure, you can get it's cheap. You just spaceship and you know you take your tractor beam and you throw rocks you throw asteroids and everything and that that does it too but that's really damaging yeah. tidal waves uh, the great flood you know that damaged a lot of stuff but earthquake weapons and what if atlantis was sunk using those yes there was exactly. a flood afterwards maybe because of some other factors but they use those weapons and those could be far more destructive than atomic bombs uh, yeah i mean if it's true that one torpedo placed in the right place can start a chain reaction and half of Australia falls into the sea, um, that's got my attention. And that's that's science. That's not woo-woo stuff. Aliens throwing thunderbolts. Oh, that's, that's stuff we cobbled together using, you know, maybe some ET intel blueprints, but we did it. Well, there's the Nikola Tesla story from 1900 where he was dared, you know, you say you can do this. Can you actually do it? And he caused an earthquake in Manhattan. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, so we've had that technology for a long time. Yeah, I don't think it's anything new. It's, everything is new and improved. <laughs> we say in America. New and improved. That's, That's a spin. If you find a, a chest of treasure in the desert lands of Anunnaki stuff, uh, they'll use Anunnaki weapons. Oh, far out. Uh, and then you give it to Raytheon and everybody, the whole the gang of corporations. They're like, eh, figure it out. And they figure it out. And they're like, we can put all this stuff together with our stuff and make it much more powerful. Wow. That is the danger. We could ever cobble together. That's why the archaeology wars. Right. And this is the human creativity part that it said we are so creative. 12 strands of DNA and a lot of cosmic DNA. Uh, we're so creative. Not necessarily smart, but creative. And therefore, a lot of ETs out there, they're very intellectual, but they lack this creative, this right brain creativity. That could answer a lot of questions as to why we're still around. Absolutely, yes. You know, because if I was a couple of ET nations, I'd be like, you know, these guys are great and everything, but they're destroying Mother Earth. And Mother Earth is very important to the cosmos. No question. I kind of vote we should wipe just wipe them out. But they didn't. Not yet. But um, we're getting to we're getting to the pinnacle soon. I think within 25 years of all this. Uh, whatever happens, it's not going to be pretty. Um, I hope the loss of life is, is minimal. I really do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. You've made yeah. the good point before and I think this is really going right to the heart of the matter, which is people are going to need some explanation when all this hits because they've been so tuned out. And uh, they're going to rely on people who've been aware on some level of these things. And because there's going to be a kind of a huge, that gap of awareness is finally going to be exposed. And uh, if anything, 
they're going to need people to talk them back down to the ground. History has shown us that people are hardwired to obey authority. Crystal clear. That's number one. Um, if, if anything strange happens in our history, whatever it is, wars, everything, they're going to go to the officials, the government first. Uh, the disclosure movement will be dead last. Oh, yeah. Uh, per capita. Yes, some people will automatically say, oh, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. They were on the fence to begin with. But the majority of people around the world will be dead last. It'll be when governments are starting to crumble and implode from the inside and corporations and whistleblowers coming out on mass and getting coverage. Remember the media is janky as hell. So people are going to have to turn away from the mainstream media and start accepting some of the alternative media. That's another big problem. Uh, how we're going to get that done. And then they'll be like, Oh, maybe we should consider some of these nutty people. Maybe they had a point, but we'll be last. We'll be dead last. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's human nature. I no mean, question. I was the same way when I did my research, I went to the government archives. I went to the U S Navy archives. I did everything. And they know what, they know what happened. And of course that was wrong, but they, you get to a certain level and then you can't go any forward after that. And that's when people either have an epiphany or they're like, well, then all that stuff is a nonsense. It doesn't exist because the official record said, no, it doesn't exist because it's not there. And most of our history is missing. Oh, right. The Bible and the Quran and you know, the Zoroaster and you know, all that stuff is missing. And so it's going to take a while to piece all that together. Uh, I'll be gone. You might see people, the, the world turning more towards the disclosure movement as a whole and ideas and, and certain things. I'll be gone. Um, we're talking 40 years from now. Oh, wow. Maybe 50. I don't know. It depends on world events. No one can predict anything. That's why I hate all these prophecies and, you know, even Project Looking Glass. That's just probabilities only. Exactly. And everyone's like, oh, no, it's written in stone. It is written. You know, like. <laughs> well, John, you'll live to 100. You know that. Come on. What? You'll live to at least 100. Come on. <laughs> no, I've got health issues. I, I, I'm not. I don't want to be old too old. I'll be, I'm in severe chronic pain as it is. So I'll be gone, but, um, I want my grandkids to at least have a fair shake of everything. I'll leave my stuff for them in an archive for everyone, anyone who wants it. You put it on the internet and someone can always take it down. Um, right. Oh, yeah. I, I assume it's in the Akashic records. So ET could say, oh, don't worry. They erased the internet, but don't worry. Here it is. You know, with the tablets of destiny. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But it's always good to have a hard copy somewhere. I have a hard copy on a hard drive, everything I do in a, in a Faraday cage type situation. Um, hopefully survive, you know, for what it's, what's worth for my grandkids, but it's going to be a heavy lift for people, uh, especially people that aren't naturally in the awakening process. It's not their fault. It's just the way they're sort of reincarnational lives and karma and everything's working out. Everyone's learning lessons. Shit, I learn new shit every day. You know, but it's like, uh, that's going to be a really heavy lift for a lot of people. But we don't need everyone on earth to be on board in 30 years. We just need, we need a, a hundred million. It's yeah. Three million now, I don't know, give or take. 
Yeah, we need a hundred. We need two hundred and fifty million people. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The others would be like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Daniel List's grandson. What did he say? <laughs> you know, and uh, all right. my kids, they're all step children and stuff. That they'll be. Oh, Warner? Uh, no, we're not related to him. <laughs> they, might, they might have a problem with that because because um, I don't sugarcoat anything, and uh, that's needed too. Well, that's you know that's why you're here, really, because uh, you've put it out there, and uh, you put a lot of things on the record. I think in a very brave fashion. So we all appreciate it, John. Thank you, Chris Miller and Bruce, for you know, <laughs> exactly for example, putting the stamp of approval <laughs> on Paul Millen. That I'm not completely a delusional loon, as the people on Jack's forum always call me. Here's a list of crooks and loons. <laughs> you and I are in the loon. <laughs> now we're talking. You got to make it to the crooks and loons. I don't know if you caught that, but you know, I haven't seen it yet. But I can't wait. It's it's a stream of thought post. You'll have to go through a hundred pages. Those guys don't delete stuff. But you know, it, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think the human race will survive, but it's always going to be different from what it is now. In a hundred years, it's not going to look anything like it does now. I think there'll be a lot less people on earth, but it'll be more of a natural, who knows what's natural. You know, the, the, the pandemic viruses, uh, they may be working slowly, you know, especially a lot of the ones that are target for people over 50, you know, I might be suffering from that. Oh, but younger wow. folks aren't. So they're killing. They want to, some people want to kill off the older knowledge base, the older wisdom and knowledge base. Exactly. So people. It's like yeah. that movie Logan's Run. They all died at thirty. That's right. Yeah. And it was artificial for many reasons. But one of the reasons is when they started to get a clue about things, and Logan does, and his girlfriend. Um, that's when you die. So it's like a lot of historians. It's really sad when they're at the top of their game. They're like ninety, and they pop off. Wow. Maybe that's by design in our genome. You know, let's not let these guys get to be 500. They'll know too much and they'll be really wise. Right. And that's why it's actually a Tower of Babel moment right there. A lot of ETs are thousands of years old. I believe that. Because 100 years is nothing. You get old. It's like all of it just was a blur. You know, and that's why you start getting a clue. I think it's for me, 60, 59. Started really piecing this stuff together. Everything, everything before that, I was like, eh, it's all mm-hmm. right. No. Yeah. And you have to live long enough to get it. me in the head. Yeah, it was like a mule kicked me in the head. Yeah. Piece it together, you moron. My higher self calls me dummy. Piece it together, dummy. And maybe you won't be so much of a dummy <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in a thousand years, but it's going to take you a long time. Others, not so much, but you, a thousand years. <laughs> so I got another 900 years of lifetimes to add up, but I'm getting there. Absolutely. Slowly. I'm in the slow lane now. But John, it's great to see you. Thanks. And we talk more soon. 
It sounds good. Just amazing insights tonight. John Warner's latest book, Sanity Was a Luxury, is available now on Amazon and everywhere. We're going to have John back on the show again soon to talk about the UFO hearings. Remember to visit darkjournalist.com for all the interviews, documentaries, and X-series shows. Plus, join our newsletter for special info on upcoming events and documentaries. Support the work we do here at Dark Journalist. Join us on Friday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern for the X-series. See you soon.